Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. It is Tuesday, August 23rd, and this is People Every Day. Hello, hello, everyone. Janine Rubenstein here. Hope you're all doing well this fine Tuesday. We have another great crop of stories for you today, so let's just get right to it. We're starting off with a bittersweet conclusion to the devastating story of a man named Spencer Webb, the 22-year-old University of Oregon football player who lost his life last month when, on July 14th, he slipped and hit his head during a rock climbing incident in Triangle Lake, Oregon, and was pronounced dead shortly after. The tragic accident sent shockwaves through his team and college community alike. But yesterday, the late athlete's girlfriend, Kelly Kay, announced she is pregnant with Webb's child, writing in a touching Instagram tribute, quote, all you ever wanted was to be a father. Kay's post included a photo of herself holding a sign which reads, coming soon, baby Webb, with a picture of the baby's sonogram. We created an angel before heaven gained one, she captioned and continued, can't believe I have to do it without you, but knowing I'll have a piece of you keeps me going. I can't wait to meet the person that's half you, half me. I love you forever, both of you. Kay also shared a photo of a text exchange between her and Webb in which the two discussed their desire to start a family together. Just such a heartbreaking story all around. We wish all the best for Kelly Kay and her baby. Moving on to news in the music industry, Megan The Stallion is attempting to break ties with her record label, 1501 Certified Entertainment, and is demanding $1 million in relief, claiming she has fulfilled her commitments to the label. In court documents obtained by People, attorneys for the Grammy-winning artist, whose birth name is Megan Pete, are requesting the money and asserting Stallion's last two albums, Something for the Hotties and Traumazine, completed the requirements of her contract. The filing claims that the record label argued Something for the Hotties did not meet the definition of an album and does not satisfy her minimum recording commitment. The complaint said, quote, 1501's new position, taken months after the album's release, is clearly a ruse in an effort to try to take further advantage of Pete in bad faith, end quote. Stephen M. Zager, attorney for 1501, tells people that, quote, our belief is she owes us one more album, at least. He claims to people that Something for the Hotties did not meet their criteria for an album as it featured archival material and spoken word, as well as being released too soon since her previous 2020 debut album, Good News. Quote, we're evaluating Traumazine, he says, but there's no way Something for the Hotties qualifies as an album as that term is defined under her recording commitment in her various contracts with 1501. Megan previously filed a lawsuit against 1501 in 2020, alleging that the label was preventing her from releasing new music after she tried to renegotiate her contract. This is feeling a little Taylor Swift to me, but we'll have to see how it all pans out. And now, Meghan Markle's new podcast premiered this week, and it's already serving up some incredibly surprising information. Time to break down all the good stuff from the first episode. 
Meghan Markle's debut podcast is finally here. The Duchess of Sussex premiered Archetypes on Tuesday, and it did not disappoint. Her very first guest was none other than her bestie, you know, that one tennis star by the name of Serena Williams. Meghan and Serena talked about being mothers, some scary happenings recently, and why ambition is seen as a, quote, dirty word for women. There was even a surprise guest. So from what I hear, the podcast is a royally good listen. So to catch us up to speed on Megan's first episode is People's Royals expert, Stephanie Petit. Hey, Stephanie, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, Megan is really embracing her voice, and, and she certainly has a story to share with the world. And during her first podcast, her first episode, she talked about the moment when she was 11 years old, and we've heard about this before, when she felt furious after seeing a Procter & Gamble commercial that appeared to target women only. So describe this for folks who, who need to jog their memory a little bit and what she talked about. Yeah. So when Megan saw this commercial, it was a dish soap ad and it was only targeted towards women that didn't sit well with her. And it didn't help when she heard some boys in her class say, yeah, women's place is in the kitchen. So she embarked on what she called a letter writing campaign to all the powerful figures she could think of that included Hillary Clinton. And the company actually listened to her campaign. They changed the commercial's language to address all people instead of only women. And Megan described this experience as an awakening to the millions of ways that society tries to box women in and hold women back. And she said her desire to do something about this has only grown, especially in the last few years. Wow. That's 11-year-old Meghan Markle. And so she she took her first episode of the podcast to talk to another woman who has just been knocking down barriers and, and is just amazing, tennis phenom Serena Williams. And they had a real raw conversation about women and ambition. So what are some of the highlights that you took away from their chat? Well, first of all, a really fun moment happened when Prince Harry kind of popped in to say hello to Meghan and Serena, who greeted him with their best British accents, which was really (laughs) funny and unexpected. (laughs) And he complimented Serena's hairstyle. It was a really fun moment. And we also heard a more serious side. Meghan said that she didn't really find out that there was a negative connotation with that word, ambitious, until she started dating Prince Harry. And she said, now it's really difficult to not see it or not feel it. There was just a lot of talk, especially in the UK publications, about her kind of angling or or, or wanting him beforehand, which we now know was not the case. They met pretty organically, right? I think so. I think she was alluding to that. And it's interesting that now she's opening up about how the impact that she had dating Harry and how this affected her life. And she really, you know, went into the tabloids. Obviously, ambition can be taken the wrong way from some people. And that's a lesson she had to learn. Well, something I was not expecting was when she opened up about this frightening moment that happened in South Africa when a heater caught fire in the nursery where Archie was. And he was just four and a half months old at the time. Let's listen to what she had to say, and then we'll talk about it. She was supposed to put Archie down for his nap. And she just said, you know what? Let me just go and get a snack downstairs. And she was, was Laura's from Zimbabwe, and we loved that she would always tie him on her, her back with a mud cloth. And her instinct was like, let me just bring him with me before I put him down. In that amount of time that she went downstairs, oh my God. Oh my the heater gosh. in the nursery caught on fire. There was no smoke detector. Someone happened to just smell smoke down the hallway, went in, fire extinguished. He was supposed to be sleeping in there. And we came back, hmm. and of course, as a mother, you go, Oh my God, what just, everyone's in tears, everyone's shaken. 
This is an absolutely horrifying story. It happened just after Meghan and Harry touched down in Africa for their 2019 tour. When the couple headed out on their engagement, Archie stayed in the housing unit with his nanny, and they were leaving the engagement, and they were just told, oh yeah, there was a fire at the residence. And it turns out this heater in the nursery had caught fire, and in this fateful decision, the nanny decided to take Archie downstairs with her while she grabbed the snack instead of putting him down for the nap. And like Megan said, he was supposed to be sleeping in that room. And what makes this story even more horrible is that Megan and Harry then had to leave Archie behind and go out for another engagement. And I think Serena kind of summed it up for a lot of people when she said, I couldn't have done that. Absolutely. But that's that kind of duty, right? That came with their their senior royal roles. Right. And I think that was a huge part of them saying, hey, we can't do this. You know, we have to focus on our family. And that's part of the reason probably why they stepped back. Well, the first episode left all of us wanting so much more. So what else can we expect from from this podcast? Yeah, it was a great first episode. And Megan promises to have these conversations with women about how typecasts shape narratives and try to hold women back. I think we can expect some really fascinating guests. And we already know that next week's episode will feature none other than Mariah Carey. So can't wait for that. Oh my (laughs) goodness. So excited. So excited. Mimi and Meg. Okay, here we go. Well, (laughs) can't wait for episode two. And Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on and breaking it down with me. Thanks for having me. Coming up, it's the best week of the season for Bachelorette fans, Hometown Week. We take a look at all the surprising revelations from last night's episode. But first, we've got to talk about that big Harry Styles interview in Rolling Stone. I'll take you through what the superstar had to say about his sexuality, his upcoming movies, and of course, his boo, Olivia Wilde. Stick around. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. We are back. It's been a watershed year for Harry Styles between his chart-topping new album, Harry's House, his upcoming roles in prestige movies like Don't Worry Darling and My Policeman, and of course, the headline-making romance with actress and director Olivia Wilde. But in the global cover story interview with Rolling Stone released yesterday, Styles revealed that all he really wants is a private life. And he spoke in depth about his choice to protect romantic relationships from fans, as well as why he's decided to keep his highly speculated sexuality to himself. He says, quote, I've never talked about my life away from work publicly and found that it's benefited me. He told that to the outlet and said, there's always going to be a version of a narrative. And I think I just decided I wasn't going to spend the time trying to correct it. So Styles, who's known for a gender-bending fashion, went on to respond to those who've questioned his authenticity when it comes to the way he expresses himself, telling Rolling Stone, quote, people say you've only publicly been with women, and I don't think I've publicly been with anyone. If someone takes a picture of you with someone, it doesn't mean you're choosing to have a public relationship. 
But when it comes to Styles' current relationship with Olivia Wilde, the singer revealed how some of his fans' toxic treatment of his romantic partners can affect him. He told Rolling Stone, Can you imagine going on a second date with someone and being like, okay, there's this corner of the fan base and they're going to say this and it's going to be really crazy and they're going to be really mean. He went on to say, It's obviously a difficult feeling to feel like being close to me means you're at the ransom of a corner of Twitter or something. He added, I just wanted to sing. I didn't want to get into it if I was going to hurt people like that. Wilde, on the other hand, spoke to Rolling Stone about the Styles fans she's encountered, whom she called, quote, deeply loving people, and was a bit more positive despite the negativity she has faced. She said, quote, What I don't understand about the cruelty you're referencing is that that kind of toxic negativity is the antithesis of Harry and everything he puts out there. Wilde, who, on top of dating him, recently directed him in Don't Worry, Darling, continued, I don't personally believe the hateful energy defines his fan base at all. The majority of them are true champions of kindness. While dating Harry Styles sounds great for a variety of reasons, I can't imagine what it must be like to deal with all that comes with it. Hoping for the best for Harry and Olivia, and I'm excited to check out their new baby, Don't Worry Darling, which hits theaters September 23rd. Bachelor Nation, we have reached the point in our journey this season where it's time to meet the families. That's right, hometowns were last night, and with two leading ladies, that means twice the dates and two hometown episodes. Yep, last night was only night one, and it was packed with tears, tension, and of course, a little rosé for those of you watching at home. (laughs) We're going to break down everything that happened, so joining me now to do just that is People staff writer Dana Rose Falcone. Hey, Dana. Hi, Janine. So for Gabby's first hometown date, she went to New Orleans, one of my favorite cities, to meet Jason's family. It started off on a high note. We all saw the chemistry building between Gabby and Jason this season. But then Jason told his mom that he could never see himself getting engaged. Like, what? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you come on the show knowing the premise, but he told his mom, I could never see myself getting engaged. It's just not realistic to me. As much as you have feelings for somebody or whatever, that's just not something I could see myself doing at this point. Like maybe it'll change in the next two weeks, but I need space to process everything that's happened. What? You're This woman is meeting your mother. Like you're on a show that is about getting hitched. Yeah, and it it went so well with his dad, too. And then his mom did ask, how would it feel if you weren't with Gabby? And Jason said, I would be really upset. I would be sad. So Karen was like, yeah, keep that feeling in mind. She said she's falling in love with him, right? Yeah, Jason never told Gabby about his concerns regarding engagement. So she thought we had an amazing time together. She told the cameras, I'm falling in love with him. I've never felt this way before. And it feels like I'm in a dream. So Rachel had her first hometown date with Zach in Anaheim, California. And that went well. She got to meet his famous uncle, actor Patrick Warburton, which is pretty cool. But then on her second hometown date with Tyler in Wildwood, New Jersey, she ended things with him before she even met his family. So Tyler runs a small business on the Jersey Shore. So they were having a really fun day playing games on the boardwalk. And she met a bunch of his friends and family at a restaurant on the boardwalk. And I think that just overwhelmed her a little bit. She was feeling like she didn't have as strong of a connection with him. She said, I definitely feel like my last hometown had a different feel going into the night than I feel today. I realize my relationship with him is a little bit farther behind than what I'd like to feel at this point. And now it just feels like I'm having a bit of a struggle because meeting his family tonight is looming. 
So I think she just didn't want to meet his family if she wasn't 100% in. And she was telling the cameras, things are getting extremely close to the end. And I just definitely feel like I have other connections that are stronger. Ooh, I want to know who she bumped into on that boardwalk. She was like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> yeah, and it was so sad because Tyler was really all in. He told her, at this point, I'm not falling in love with you. I am so in love with you. And it has just been incredible and I would not change a thing. But then Rachel, unfortunately, told him that she didn't want to move forward. I feel bad for Tyler, but it's hard now. We'll probably see you in Bachelor in Paradise for this guy. I feel like fans were really kind of rallying around him. He had such a big heart and Rachel even said something like, I've never met someone who loves as openly as you do. She was saying in an on-camera interview, this is the hardest thing I've had to do because I feel like my heart is breaking. I couldn't get there with him. Let's talk about Gabby's last hometown. She went to Bedminster, New Jersey to meet Eric and his family. And, and we learned that Eric's dad had been battling cancer. It was very emotional. Yeah, this was a heavy one. It took meeting the family to kind of a whole different level because as Eric explained, his dad was legitimately supposed to die like three times. Eric had told Gabby how he admired his mom's loyalty to his dad, Alan, during this rough time. And Gabby realized how big of a deal it was for his family to allow her to visit during his dad's ongoing illness. And what did his dad say about Gabby? Because that, I mean, to get that kind of blessing when someone's going through something like that is a lot. Yeah, Eric and Gabby got to chat with his dad and Eric told the cameras, my dad really liked Gabby, which is a huge sign for me. Before I let you go, we have to talk about Rachel's third hometown date. She went to Santa Clarita, California to meet Tino's family and viewers know that Tino has been a front runner since the beginning of the season, but things got a little tense last night. So Tino was her first impression rose recipient and they were both really reassuring to one another going into this hometown date, but Tino's dad, Joe, really grilled his son about his relationship with Rachel. He asked Tino, how in just five weeks do you know enough about her? Tino mm. said he knew the important stuff, but Joe was not convinced. He said, I just have a hard time believing that what you can do on a whirlwind fairy tale trip is really going to prepare you for marriage. And then his dad asked Rachel to convince me that you know him, the real Tino. Ooh. Rachel wow. gushed about how humble and caring she found Tino, but Joe told her, that's all great, but at least in our mind, from 20,000 feet away, we see it as like this fairy tale thing. Wow. You just know that they did not want him to sign up for this show. <laughs> Before they left, Tino's dad told both Tino and Rachel, you guys have a lot more to learn about each other. Rachel told the cameras, I don't know how I made it out of that house alive. <laughs> Tino still tried to insist that his parents definitely adore Rachel. And they did exchange feelings of falling in love with one another before the day ended. Well, we have to tune in next week to see how hometowns wrap up. Dana, thank you so much for coming on to break down all of this drama. <laughs> thank you for having me, Janine. In this day and age, it feels like kindness among strangers is a rarer and rarer sight, right? But if you need your faith and humanity restored, look no further than this cute little story from the Boston Globe. Francesca Teal was tossing a football around with her husband in the ocean of Hampton, New Hampshire, on August 6th, when her wedding ring slipped off her finger into the waist-deep water below. Ugh, my heart dropped, Teal told the paper. Despite searching for hours, she and her husband were unable to locate the ring, which originally belonged to her great-grandmother. In a last-ditch effort, Teal posted to a Hampton Beach Facebook group in hopes that her message would reach anyone, quote, who might have a metal detector. 
The message was shared over 1,000 times and eventually reached Lou Azai, a 60-year-old metal detector enthusiast who offered to help Teal locate the ring. Azai spent three days on the beach studying tides and attempting to locate the ring. At first, he was unsuccessful until on August 14th, he decided to give it one last shot. And lo and behold, he found the ring buried under four inches of sand. Teal shared a special thank you message in the Facebook group and lauded Asai for his kindness. When asked by The Globe why he persisted, as I explained, I didn't want to give up on it. This was something very important to her. Wow. Now, if everyone had a neighbor who would spend three days in the ocean looking for a lost wedding ring, I think the world would be a much better place. Regardless, strangers helping each other locate important family heirlooms is certainly something to make you smile. That's all for today, everyone. Hope you have a nice and relaxing evening. We'll see you tomorrow for another brand new episode of People Every Day.